it's very important that if you are a believer in this type of environment and in this type of career that you are grounded in your faith and it is very important that you have some sort of connection because you see a lot you hear a lot you you come across a lot of different um conflicting faiths and conflicting beliefs and it it's very easy to fall into like <laughs> deception very easy to what's true and what's not but you just have to stay like really grounded and really um really connected to what you know is true and what you believe what's up everyone why are you so loud today everybody okay can we talk about that for a second because everyone complains that i just scream and i'm you so do. loud you do you olivia you i do. always talk about how i'm Don't screaming call, okay all right and I just want to say that I'm just loud. My family is loud. Okay. My grandpa was habitually just a loud person. Oh, God. That's just how we communicate in my family. We're just loud people. Loud people. We have a microphone. You have and a that's mi- fine. I feel like sometimes the microphone needs help. It, it doesn't. Do you hear how low I'm speaking now? You hear this? Again, like we discussed in last <laughs> week's episode, <laughs> this is not Wi-Fi after dark. But I'm still heard. Heard. <laughs> Why did you say that so hard? I'm still heard. <laughs> that really literally sounds like something my mom would say. <laughs> my mom would say. See, you did sound like Janelle. Oh, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Just checking in, trying to make sure everybody is good. I know our last episode was a little heavy. But you know what? I feel a little bit differently this week than I did last week. I do too. You want to know why? Because I I, I want you to let me finish. I want you to let me finish. I have some hope this week. First of all, I am so proud of the church. We love to call out the church's flaws. But one thing that the church is doing right is we are responding. We are having conversations right now that we've not had in the past 50 years, 60 years. That we probably should have had a long time ago. Especially in the multicultural church. I am so proud of the church for having these conversations. I, I, I know my church has been committed to having these conversations and we've been talking about race and I've been looking at a lot of different churches online who've been having the conversation and I just want to say this. Church, I'm proud of you. Don't let me down. Let's continue to have these conversations. Let's not drop it just because it's an it topic. Let's continue to see it through. Let's continue to fight for those that are marginalized, those that are disadvantaged. Absolutely. Let's continue to work. Like, this is so beautiful. I'm so excited. I'm about to speak in tongues. I'm I'm happy. (laughs) Well, my excitement comes from a different place. Okay. But no, I'm, I'm definitely excited that the church, we've come together. You know, I've seen white pastors joining with black pastors Uh and uh, everyone is looking to see you know what can we do to better ourselves so again my happiness is coming from a different place and because 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 the lord is because the lord is my shepherd he's my shepherd and he also makes me to triumph over racists so what i've been doing is calling (laughs) uh people's employers that have been posting (laughs) racist things on facebook Let's talk about it. I'm yeah, called. we'll talk about this because Josh might be the most disrespectful human being ever. <laughs> literally, literally, hashtag call him out. Call him out. <laughs> I've started a movement, the call him out movement. So I've called Brunswick County Schools. <laughs> I have called Raps to Go on their owner. Raps to Go. Rap to Go. So the, they rap. He raps cars. Um, oh. Now I'm not as disrespectful. Very lucrative. As the people that posted his address, his personal address oh, online. Man. But I have um, called the Better Business Bureau on him. I have called. Why? What, t- tell the people why. Because you just seem like an angry person right now. They need to know why you're so angry. Because. Why are you so mad? So, especially. Okay. So, here's my thought. Without yelling. Hold on. Hold his, on. Okay, I don't want to yell. Yelling, I don't want to Why yell. are you angry? My thought is this. Especially for the people who are teachers, educators, and have black and brown children in their care every school day. I'm not sending my child to your classroom. And you're saying things like, you know, calling people of color animals. So the LMS Burlington school system principal said that they're just animals and they're just doing what's natural to them. I'm sorry to find out. (laughs) I'm not sorry to find out. He was let go. I forgot from whence you came. You worked in Guilford County for a long time. I worked in Guilford County for a long time. And I also worked in 
racist Asheboro City Schools. We are not putting that. We are putting we that. Are not putting we are putting that. that no, we're not. Well, yes, we are putting that in the episode. No, we're not. Because there, it was very, it was just very bad, a very bad time. So yes, I've been calling employers, and if you all find a post no. that someone has said something racist in, Has- feel free, feel free to tag me and hashtag call them out. Hashtag Grace. I, I, mean, I mean, call him. I mean, it's call him out. But I no, we have grace. If you know me, you know I'm not an angry guy. Yes, I am, but <laughs> I'm just tired of the mess. And it's, again, for the people who are in these positions to serve people of color every day, you're not going to take our black dollars and say the things that you say about us. Okay, so I don't think that the school system thrives. Well, not the black, not the black school dollars. system, but. I want to talk about this though. I want to say when you sign up to be an educator, you really sign up to educate all people and you sign up to teach a curriculum. You don't sign up to really teach your opinion. But part of the problem is that public school and most, especially history, um, but most social sciences in the public school are based off of opinion. It is based off a skewed point of view and perspective. So when you sign up, you have to know that I'm not here to teach my point of view. I'm not here to teach my perspective. I am here to teach all children. And if you can't be prepared to love, support, and nurture all children, then maybe you're not meant to be a teacher. The newest one today was a professor at the University of, Louis- of Louisiana. Please don't do this. In Monroe, uh, Sister Mary Holmes um, had, sister. To, <laughs> had to call the university on her because she made a statement that thank God for our president, our current president, he takes no salary for his loyal commitment, not like the monkey before him. Now, okay, that's problematic. <laughs> that is extremely problematic. And you're not going to refer to my my president, Obama, okay, all right, well, as a monkey. I don't. You're not doing that. No, we're not. We're not doing that. So all bets are off with that. And speaking of all bets being off, have you seen? The clip of the cyclist that grabbed the little girl. No. So the little girl was I white. I didn't see that. I didn't the little see girl that. was I white. I didn't see that. I saw but that. white, blue, okay, volume, green. Volume again. Oh, am I getting loud again? <laughs> the the child was not his child, and she they were putting up Black Lives Matter posters in a park in Maryland, somewhere in Maryland, and he was having words with another adult in the group, then turned to the child and grabbed her arm and grabbed whatever she had in her hand I would still be behind bars if that were my time children off limits children are absolutely off limits you do not touch somebody's child you do not touch somebody's child so devil's advocate here I don't condone touching Ooh, people's children no I'm matter getting what the hot thinking about it guys however in the school system and just about all school board policies there is a built in protective measure for individuals who do put their hands on students and it's called reasonable force i hear you so if i put my hands on a student parents automatically assume that you know a teacher should go straight to being fired or someone should go immediately to being fired for touching a child but there is such a clause that says if they use the reasonable force in the in an appropriate situation they can put their hands on people students their children i personally think the children should be off limits when it comes to stuff like this we don't want to turn our children so, into angry yes. children. But there's a difference between, I hear you. Okay. There's a difference between someone that I'm entrusting my child to for, you know, 180 You to don't entrust your child to law enforcement to be protected? And that wasn't a He was a cyclist in a park. You missed that whole, it, it was a oh. random guy. He was not anyone in authority. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Speech. Speech. Oh, I was, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I thought yeah. it was like a, a police cycle. No, 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 no. But even if we want to talk about that, we can oh, talk he about got them hands. <laughs> he would have got all the hands. My hands, your hands, yeah. Jesus' hands, nah. Mama's hands, Daddy's hands, communal hands. <laughs> communal hands. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not touching. We're not touching children. Oh. And again, it was it was my I, I feel this way, and it was a white child. So I mean, it, it, it this isn't a white or black issue. This particular thing, you just don't touch somebody else's child. The man could have been Asian. You don't touch somebody else's child. You're right. So, Josh, what are you going to do when hashtag call him out is over? Like, because you know you can't do this for the rest of your life, right? 
Uh, well, this, you got you got to exit. This become my life movement right now. <laughs> Definitely not a movement. It's what, it's no, what I wake up to. Do. You wake okay. up singing. You about to lose your job. <laughs> you about to lose your job. Get this dance. You, you about to lose your job. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. That's Insert song right there. You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You know who has the best version? I complex. I complex on Instagram. He makes the best. He makes the best. We need to get him for our theme song. Theme song. I think that'll be. But he has Beyonce dancing too. Yeah, that's my favorite when Beyonce comes out and that purple cake. Purple cake. It's sheer joy on her face every time. Every time. Makes it so funny. Every time. It's sheer joy. Elmo, you about to lose your job? First of all, let's talk about how innately creative we are. Yes. Come up with a song like that. I don't how that just came off. I love it. Get this dance. That's my favorite part. <laughs> right, she said, this needs to be over the airways. People need to see this. Oh god. I love us. We're amazing. We really are. And go back to the first thing. I'm so proud of the millennials and the generation Z. Like everybody I feel like said that they especially Generation Z, they put such a strong stigma on them like that they are not aware, that they are not invested, that they are not interested but they out here in these streets holding fighting their parents fighting. did over you this see movement. that video? that of video, that, yes of that little girl and her dad was saying all, she, all black people want to do in that neighborhood yeah. is just do bad stuff and be ghetto and, be ghetto. and she said yeah. they can't help she said, do you know why they're there? Do you even know why they're in the position that they're in? And I thought that was so touching. But yeah, I'm so proud of the millennials. We showing out in these streets. Showing we out. are showing out. And we're, we're doing something for... Did you say taking names? And calling employers. We are not calling employers. <laughs> we are. But speaking of millennials um, that are making moves, our guest today... Woo! So we're going we're gonna to shift gears a little bit because I feel like last week's episode was a little heavy. Um, so we wanted to... Still be mindful of what's going on, but we want to showcase our friends who are killing the game. Killing the game. And Miss Shelby Sykes. Miss Shelby Sykes. Shelby A. Sykes. <laughs> killing the killing game. the game. She's incredible. Incredible. She's a singer. Singer. Actress. Sopranist. She's a sopranist. Sopranist. She's a sopranist. Uh, actress, she's uh, traveled on Broadway. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's done, for her age, she's done some amazing things. And, and I'm she's li- homegrown. Homegrown, well, right here in North Carolina. She lives in North Carolina now. Yeah. We claim her. We, yeah, we, we claim, claim her. her. Yeah. We're claiming her. She'll tell all uh, where she's from and where all she's lived. But she's uh, living in North Carolina now. But I'm just so proud of her. I've known her a few years now. And Such she's a sweet girl. So sweet. She's been the same ever since I've met her. She's she's just real genuine person. Yeah. And you wouldn't even know she has all the credits that she has to her name. Um, uh oh. Until she tells you. Until she opens her mouth to say. So you saying she real humble? Not oh, fake, she real. Not yeah. fake <laughs> no, she real humble. She the real kind. Not the fake churchy humble that we like to be. Uh, ooh. ooh. Wow. <laughs> Wow, we like to be so you. Not we. I'm just saying. No, I don't. I don't. False humility. I don't participate. You know, somebody. I'm sorry. We're gonna get to interview y'all, but somebody told me the way to break false humility is to think about Jesus. Jesus was not. Jesus was humble, but he didn't exercise false humility. So imagine when he asked Peter, "Who do you think I am? Who do you say I am?" And Peter said, "You are Jesus Christ, the Son of God." And he said. Nah, I mean I ain't really Jesus. <laughs> I ain't really I'm a little Jesus. Jesus. I'm alright. But you you gonna be the rock. Right, you gonna be you the rock. Be the rock. You the one. You're gonna deny me. But on the day of Pentecost, you're gonna stand up and you're gonna preach. You gonna st- you're gonna be a part of the birth of the church. You, you man, nah, I'm trying to be like you, Doc. I'm trying to be like you, Deke. <laughs> what if Jesus would have done that? Like Jesus was confident enough to know who he was. Who he was. Let that be a message to us all. When, so anytime that we're dealing with false humility, that means really we're agreeing with a voice that the Lord didn't speak over us. Because every time somebody comes and says something to you to confirm what he said, you deny it. Know who you are in Christ. Selah. Let's just get to the interview because that, well, that was about to be a good Holy Ghost preacher moment and you ruined it. You was about it. to kick up? No, I wasn't about to kick up yet. All right. So without further ado. Shelby A. Sykes. Like the other men, I'm tired of monkeying around. Oh, ooh, we 
Shelby Sykes on the show this evening. <laughs> oh, we never get listened to it. It may not be right. It may not be even. We never start to open this. Either episode. way, we got Shelby Sykes. Either way, um, <laughs> is that a song I should know? It couldn't show. And uh, that's a song I should know. Then. No, you should know. <laughs> no, no. We're gonna talk about this for a second because no, 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 I love K Michelle. K Michelle makes great albums. But she was yeah, except for that last three one. good, three good albums, three good albums. But she's, she's working good. on a country album. I'm ready for that country album. Wait, Shelby looks concerned. You don't. <laughs> what, how do you feel about K. Michelle's albums? That's just so random. Like that's not her genre. So I don't know. Listen, Branch Houses. But I don't know. Well, her being from Memphis, I think she could pull it off. Yeah, I think because she's good. always had that little country playing. True. Uh, I mean, country music now has definitely come a long way. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can kind of see it, but it's also kind of like, hmm, okay, do you sir? Well, my daddy said <coughs> that she'd be horrible. <laughs> my daddy has already said this is this is. He said this is the end of her career right here. It's over. Oh no! Yeah, my dad was not pleased with K. Michelle doing country music, but he's never heard a K. Michelle song anyway. <laughs> All he knows her from his. Uh, and he's not pleased. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. But he was like, I heard K. Michelle's country song and it was horrible. I said, well, it hasn't come out yet. Come out yet. So I don't know what you heard. He was like, oh. Well, I heard, <laughs> I heard her singing country music and it was horrible. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's probably true. I'm sorry. It was horrible, but you probably heard her singing it. But anywho, that is so, so off topic. But well, we had to go there. We do like, I do love K. Michelle's albums. That K. Michelle, we um, love you. We have Shelby Sykes on the show. I'm sorry for that long uh, <laughs> But we have Shelby Sykes. I'm so excited. I've known Shelby, what, about two years now? Yeah, two, two, three. I first found you when you do an open mic at uh, the, yes. the W. It was Churchill's back then, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> so I was like, who is this chick singing like this? And yeah, I've been blown away ever since. Oh. We have kind of cultivated a relationship and she's become a really cool friend and I just want to say I appreciate you uh, for even accepting this invitation to do this episode of Wildfire. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Um, I'm honored. Tell us about Shelby. Where are you from? Where was your start in music? And we'll go <clears throat> What does What does Shelby do? What all do you do? Well, originally, I'm from Gaithersburg, Maryland. <laughs> G-Berg. It's a small suburb right outside of D.C. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of it. But I'm in a very, very small city. I went to Ellington School of the Arts for a year. Shout out to Ellington School of the Arts in Washington, D.C. Which is where I first knew that I wanted to pursue a career in music and in, in the arts. Um, it was a little bit before then, but when I went to the school, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, and then I went back to my neighborhood school, and that's where I started taking private lessons. And then I graduated from Winston Churchill High School in Potomac, Maryland, and then I attended the Manhattan School of Music in New York City. Oh. And from there, my life has been a roller coaster ride <laughs> of different things. But I pretty much started singing, I think, like, every black kid. Like, I hate to make it, like, a race thing, but every black kid, we started singing in church, like, church, yeah. pretty much. Um, I knew, like, at a young age that I always wanted to sing with the, the Youth and Young Adult Choir. That's what our choir was called, the Youth and Young Adult Choir. Um, 
and I wanted to wear that blue and white, blue skirt, white shirt, <laughs> white socks. Was it we, a- I went to uh, an interdenominational church. Okay. So we were like a mixture of everything. Because I feel like um, every uh, black Baptist church has the youth and young adult choir. I feel like that's the, the staple name. Yeah. The staple. Okay. Youth and young adult It's one word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But I always wanted to get there. And I used to tell my grandma, like, I was like four because you had to be five. I was like, oh my God, when is it going to be my turn? Like, I just could not wait. And so once I started singing with the church choir, I knew that there was kind of a passion there for music, for wanting to learn more. And my parents and my grandparents, they definitely cultivated me and like putting me in dance and putting me in tap and gymnastics and stuff to kind of like, I guess, prepare me for getting into like musicals and musical theater and things like that. But once I got into middle school, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, are you Haitian? Trinidadian. Trinidadian, I'm sorry. I knew, I'm sorry. Oh. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, um, uh-huh. And I, I only, I brought that up because you, you speak on that a lot and you go to Carnival and stuff like that. So I, I, uh-huh. I wanted to bring that up because that is a part of who you are. And then I yes. always found that really interesting. So Yes, my father is Trini. I wasn't really raised with him. So the Trini culture didn't come into my life until I went to college. Um, and I went to New York City, which was like all Trinidadian. <laughs> so um, it kind of hit me in the face. But yeah, like, yeah, growing up, I always was into the arts. I always wanted to be in the musicals, the plays, anything that had to do with being on the stage. That was kind of like my go-to thing. High school, going to Ellington, that definitely catapulted me into pursuing a career in this. I knew that that was what I wanted to do, hands down. And then getting into college and going to New York City, which is like the epicenter of the arts in the United States, <clears throat> was definitely an amazing experience. Like, that's probably my favorite city in the U.S. Really? Um, I love New York City. See? Love I- New York City. New York City. Love New York City. I love New York City. I'm an L.A. kind of guy. L.A. is, LA is I my I love family. L.A. too. Oh, my gosh. No, I love L.A. too. I had to tell my family. Well, I told them I hated it because I didn't want them to think that I was just off and move. But I love L.A. it's something so nostalgic about the city it is it's something very nostalgic and very like i don't know i just it feels timeless yes it just feels timeless it's just i don't know the vibe of the city is it makes you feel good i just just, like felt good i was just like i don't know if it's the weather (laughs) but it's just oof. i don't know I love that. It's so big and like vast. Yeah, I did. Mm, I like that it's spread out because in New York City, everything is just like one, you're in one place. But with LA, everything is spread out. Like you're still in LA and you've driven like 100 miles. (laughs) (laughs) What about Nashville? What do you think about Nashville? Nashville. Okay, I'm about, to, you're about to disappoint me. I already see it. It's I don't like, think I've ever been to Nashville. Okay, so you have to go to Nashville because I think Nashville is like the perfect marriage between LA and New York. It's okay. like everybody is moving fast, but they're going nowhere. Like, you know how LA kind of okay. has that like laid back kind of feel? Mm-hmm. Nashville has that laid back feel, but then when you get closer downtown, it kind of, it's like, it's like city and country merged together. Mm-hmm. And I really love Nashville. But, I mean, New York is still my favorite city. <coughs> but yeah. you're classically trained, correct? Very much, yes. Okay. <laughs> not considered. Yeah. Right, yeah. Very, very much. Yes. Very much. Very much. <laughs> so how does, that affect how, how does that affect how you listen to music, how you listen to singers? Ooh. I will say it's the best and worst of things. So... Having a classical, I, I, first of all, I think everybody that's pursuing music needs to go and learn the basics. And that's just that on that. Any singer, musician, put this in the recording. Every singer, every musician, you need to have a basic foundation of what music is. Whether that be classical music, whether that be you just learning theory, all of that. You need that. Um, but as far as how it affects me listening to people and listening to things, I can break down things in my head technically now because I've been studying music for over 10 years. So I can listen to a song and be like, oh, this is in this key. I don't have a perfect pitch, but I have a pretty good relative. So I can be like, oh, they're in this key, or oh, they just sang like an augmented minor third, or something crazy. Like, And I love that, but at the same time, it really bothers me, because sometimes it's hard to just listen and enjoy. Just like with my mom, my mom's a chef, and so because she cooks for a living, and because she creates food for a living, it's hard for her to sometimes sit and enjoy things because she's so technical of it. And that's 
how I approach a lot of things sometimes, not even really knowing it. I'll just, it's just who I am. Like I'll go to a concert and I'll be like, eh, uh, she didn't use good technique when she's saying that no, or uh, she's not breathing right, like stuff like that. And it's just like, I have to kind of like be like, all right, Shelby, calm down. But I love it because I have, I built my love for music in the foundation of it. Um, and I have more of an appreciation for music because I know the foundations and the basics. Is there a space for people who are not classically trained in a show on Broadway? Is there a space for people that not like just natural singing? There's definitely a space for people with raw talent. There's always a space. I wouldn't say that you necessarily have to have training classically, but you need to know the ins and outs of how theater works and how the spectrum of this scene works. Before you go to an audition, make sure you know about the show, make sure you know the world of the show, make sure you kind of just know the basic fundamentals of like how to audition. Um, if you don't, if you've never done it before, that would be the first thing. But there's always space for people with just raw talents. Like that's 60% of like the Broadway stage is like oh, natural wow. raw talent. As far as like going into to like audition for something um there are definitely steps and things you need to know like how to appeal to the people casting you and knowing your strengths and weaknesses and knowing what you're auditioning for because i think a lot of people go into auditions cold they don't really know what to expect they don't really know the show they don't really know their type um which are all very real things that you need to know um and so it kind of is discouraging when you go to an audition that you don't really know about and then you don't get cast or you don't get called back so just doing like research on what you're going in for what type of character are you what type of type are you who would you think casting would cast you as things like that and then just pretty much preparing yourself to give the best audition you can give um and finding music that is right for your voice my god Whew. <laughs> finding music that is right for you and going in there and just and just killing the audition and like having fun and telling a story 90% of like your audition is telling a story that's it the other 10% is showing up because <laughs> it takes a lot just to show up yeah. so I would say just taking the necessary steps to prepare you for a bomb audition okay so I guess to piggyback on that how would you cast yourself and did that play a part in how you were cast in The Color Purple sure. so I, right now, in this moment, would cast myself as, like, the belty, gospel, soprano type. If you've ever seen, like, Hairspray, like, Motor Mouth. If you've ever seen The Wiz, like, a Eveline, a Glinda, a uh, Ada Pearl. I'm trying to think of, like... Miss One? No, I just wanted to say that. I know that's not... She's my favorite. Um, those, those types of characters that kind of have like, they call them the midnight hour songs, the ones that people really recognize when you talk about the musical, the big belty songs. So that's kind of like, would you be, yeah, yeah, like an Effie, just because, you know, casting is also based off of like your look, your sound, um, a lot of things. So just off of my look, I'm already looked at as like the big black girl in the musical, not to be racy or anything, but that's pretty much, that is what it is, what it is. Um, and then as far as my voice, I sit in a lot of different voice parts depending on the show, but if I'm going in for like the color purple, I'm obviously going to be looked at for a church lady, a Sophia, those types of characters, which is what I was. I was the church lady and I was an understudy for Sophia. Oh, you were a church lady? So, yeah. Yes. I was church lady Doris. I was like, it's Sunday morning. That was me. <laughs> and you got to sing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep. I love that. They're actually the church ladies are my favorite part. <laughs> That's what everybody says. I'm so shook every time. Like, I meet people who are like, oh my God, like, I love y'all. Yeah. It's so, I love the church ladies. That was a track that I knew I always wanted to play, but like playing it was so much better. Like, it was just an amazing experience because they were the ones that people kind of got their comic relief from. Yeah. Like, you know, the color book was a heavy show. Like, just in general, the book, the movie, everything is heavy about it. But when the church ladies, like, that element of just comedy just makes it so lighthearted and, like, it's just funny. It, it's just, it, they're great characters. Yeah, every time I, um, anytime somebody says Shug, I, I, my automatic response is, Shug, hey, 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 hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, no, The Color Purple is, like, one of my favorite Broadway shows. I saw it twice. That was one of my graduation gifts 
from my parents for high school, and this was during Fantasia's run as Miss. Okay, Smith. original, original yeah, show. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, it was the best thing ever. And then I saw it again when it came to Greensboro a couple years later when they toured in Fantasia. I don't know if she was Miss Seeley the whole show, like the whole tour, mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. did do Greensboro. And Latoya London from American Idol was mm-hmm. oh i remember her, was her she sister was yeah she was her she was Nettie, and um <coughs> i enjoyed her on american Idol. yeah it was it was really good but I, and as much as i love uh fantasia them, the church ladies I, yeah I, they definitely they, first of all, they were singing <laughs> they, were like, they were really singing <laughs> they um, some good stuff yeah, I love the writing, yeah. It's so funny. I actually, my first Broadway musical that I ever saw like on stage in New York was The Color Purple, original Broadway cast. I saw the entire original Broadway cast and like, wow. I was maybe 13 years old. And that was the show where I was like, I would do this. Like, I would do this for the rest of my life. Like, I want to be an actor so bad. Like, that was the show. I remember like act one ended and I was like crying, like sobbing. I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like, yeah. And then to be in it, Wow. Like fifteen years later, it's like I was like, okay, God, I like <laughs> you know me, like that's what's up, like. But no, the color purple is definitely one of, if not my favorite, one of my absolute favorite shows. Have you ever met? Yeah, uh, have you ever met Cynthia Arriva? No, she's one what? of my favorite people just right now. Like she's right. yeah, I'm I'm, I'm right. really on the Cynthia Arriva train right now. I, right. I just love. Hey, no, she is such a queen like and i remember her before the color purple like before people like knew who she was when she was on the west end doing like sister act and um she did another show and i just remember that voice and i was like yo she is cold (laughs) that voice is cold but no she um for our hundredth show one of our cast members reached out to like previous cast members because like the color purple was such a family and they put together a video of like happy 100th show with, with all these previous cast members and it was like her and jennifer hudson on the video like oh my gosh congratulations and i was like send me a copy of this (laughs) because it was just crazy like she was just like oh my god you guys with her british accent i'm so happy that you guys have a 100 shit and i was just like (laughs) cynthia like i feel like you're personally wishing me a happy (laughs) i don't care about nobody else in this room this is about me it's for me (laughs) so yeah no that's the only like the closest i've been to but yeah she's gold I wish I could have seen her um, as Miss Seeley as well. Honey, I, she knows how yeah. to she knows how to evoke emotion. She, she knows so how to emote. Oh, like God. she makes me feel everything. Yeah, that's a gift. Yeah, excellent. Like, and it's all like her voice. She has these very clean moments in her voice. It's like it's like wow. Yeah. that's exactly what it's like. When I first heard her voice, I was amazed at the fact that she did not have a sound that I have really ever heard before yes. on Broadway. Yes. That cleanliness that then you don't know what to attribute it to. It's like is it because she's Brit or like what like right. it's, it's it's so weird. Yes she I don't know. I she she her voice is so clean. Like her tone is clean. And the way her belt sits, it's so high but it's still very light. I, like I don't know how to describe it. Like it's just I don't know. She's just, she's just one of those like special gifts. <laughs> right, right, right. The rest of us are just like all right. So out of the people you play, you know, in the color purple, or even any other show that you've done, which character stretched you the most? Hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and say the 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 role that I thought I was prepared to play um, <laughs> was Sophia. And it stretched me a lot because during the audition process, but I put a lot of research into the role um, for the auditions just to make sure that when I went in the room that it was coming from a place of like, I know what I'm doing. Delving into the character throughout the, the length of the tour, I found out that there's more than, to Sophia than just what we see of her, what we've seen of her in the book, in the movie, in even the musical. Like everybody thinks of her as like the angry black woman. And I actually said this in my audition. I said, I don't think of Sophia as like an angry black woman. I think of her as a young woman who fell in love, got hurt, and she's been through a lot of trauma in her life. So in order to protect herself, she has to come off as abrasive. But I don't think that's who she is. I think the trauma in her life has made her that. And so, of course, saying that is one thing and then like acting that is a whole different thing. And so Sophia was probably the hardest role 
to date that I've played only because she's a very rounded character and there's a lot that goes into playing her, which is why there are only certain people and I realize this now that can really play her well. Um, and the woman that we had on tour, Shadra Ariel, nailed her. Like, I mean, to a T. And just all of her emotional nuances and just, like, who she is. I think we got, like, a really good version of who she is to her character to play. And when I finally went on as um, Sophia as my, in my understudy track, I was winded. I was like, I got off stage and I was like, okay, I'll be good if I, if I don't have to do this again for a little while. Because it, it's just a... It takes a lot out of you emotionally um, because she goes through this whole journey of being a young girl pregnant, getting married to a man who loves her but abuses her, and then regaining that confidence to leave him and then to go into her later life to then be struck down by politics and by uh, racial injustice. To then have to raise up out of that to go back and raise her kids and be with her family as a wife and a mother. So a whole journey of like 30 years in two hours. How many shows did you all actually, uh, were y'all able to do before it got? I believe we hit 132 or 133 wow. shows. So talk about that. Talk about the touring aspect of uh, yes, Broadway. Yes. Talk about that like? your accommodations, your favorite city. Okay, so tour life is amazing. I absolutely love moving around, but I'm also like the type of person I like to travel. So I don't like to sit in one space too long, which is why this pandemic <laughs> got me all messed up. But, um, <laughs> pandemic, <laughs> sick of it, sick of. Okay, but no, tour life is amazing. The most beautiful thing about it is that you just get to travel and meet so many different people. And you get to see how people live in other parts of the country. Every state has its own vibe. And it's so cool to meet people um, in different parts of the world, to feel the climates in different parts of the world, um, to breathe the air in different parts of the country and the world. Because it's like the air is different all over the place. It, that's just something weird. But um, traveling is fun. But, of course, every good thing has its downsides. Um, it's exhausting. Um, the type of tour that I was on was called a bus and truck tour, which pretty much means primarily, uh, our primary source of travel was, like, bus. Um, and we would be on a bus for anywhere between, like, 4 to, like, 13 hours um, a day. Um, a lot of our shows were one-nighters. So we would do a show go back to the hotel, sleep, wake up the next morning, travel to the next city and do a show, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, travel to the next city. Like that was 80% of our schedule. So doing that every night, being in a different time zone almost every night was exhausting. It wears your body down like nobody's business. Like <clears throat> the first month or so of tour, I was like, okay, this is lit. Like I'm excited because we flew a lot. Like we flew from... Um, New York to Maryland. We flew from Maryland to New Orleans. And then like the next few cities we flew. But after that first like two or three weeks, we were busing it to every city. And <clears throat> doing something like Mississippi to like Oklahoma <laughs> is, it's a lot. And so it's just, you know, you have to find a balance in your everyday life of eating well, sleeping well, um, drinking a lot of water, staying hydrated because being on a bus, they have the AC on. Um, any tour you go on, they're going to have the AC blasting because it kills germs. And also it keeps down like smells. Like if, you know, people are not bathing, <laughs> God bless. Um, so you have to make sure that you stay hydrated and you have to make sure that you are getting enough sleep because in my contract, and I'm pretty sure everybody else's contract, we could only call out of one show every three or four weeks. So you have to make it worth your while if you're going to call out and, you know, you have to be sick if you're going to call out more than one show. So, you know, there's really no excuse. You have to stay healthy. And you have to stay rested. And doing a show like The Color Purple, there's not a lot of dancing, but there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of um, just like physical labor and also emotional labor that you, you go through every single night. So just toy life will wear you out and you just have to find the balance of staying healthy mentally spiritually physically and staying rested it's hard life is hard like it looks so good on the outside like oh my god like you get to travel to all these amazing places but on the other side you miss home you miss your friends and family you miss being in your own bed 
people take that for granted. You miss being in your own bed. Um, you're in a hotel, a different hotel every single night. So you have to keep packing your stuff up, unpacking your stuff. Um, you live with another person. Well, I did. Um, you have a roommate every day. And then it's like you literally are with the people you work with 24 hours a day. Like you're oh, on the yeah. bus with them. You're in the hotel with them. You're at work with them. You know what I'm saying? So it's, there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think, I won't say that I wasn't prepared for, but it, this taught me for the next time, like, this is what to expect. Um, because in the rehearsal room, when you're, you know, working with your castmates, everything is all good and fine. Everybody loves each other. We're all family. But when you get on that road and you're with them 20 hours of the 24 hours in a day, my God, <laughs> tensions are high. <laughs> <laughs> you get some So, I mean, were there times that you all had disagreements? Yes, or? absolutely. Multiple. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like with any group of people. I mean, yeah. right, but, you know, sometimes you can kind of mask it. Sometimes, you know, I didn't know if there were, but it, it sounds like sometimes it came to a head, like. No, absolutely. Like, I'll say the first, the first leg of the tour, because we had a four-week break for Thanksgiving and Christmas. The first leg of the tour, there were like two big situations um, between a couple of leads that rolled over for like a week or so. Like it was, it was pretty bad. Oh, and um, once we got on that break, I think everybody kind of had a chance to mellow out and relax and take a break from everyone. But I think we also were able to say, okay, well, now we know what to expect going into the next leg, which is going to be a lot longer than just a four week run because like the second leg was like a four month run <laughs> compared to just being with each other for four weeks so everybody kind of had a chance to kind of mellow out and rethink some things and uh let some things settle and then we went back but living with people that you work with and everybody's coming from like a different background yeah whether that be racially whether that be spiritually because we had a lot of that there's definitely going to be some conflict but you just have to you know do what's best for you a lot of racial stuff no, definitely not that. Oh, okay. not that. No, no, no. okay. I'm just saying there was a lot of different. Black, right? The cast was black, but our um, orchestra was Caucasian, and our tech is also Caucasian. Hold on, all of our. Not, I mean, I ain't trying to cut you off, but I am. <laughs> all of y'all travel together. How does that yes, work? The cast and the orchestra traveled on one bus, and then the tech crew. Like hair, costumes, uh, lighting, sound, they all traveled on another bus. So we had two buses. And like the tech crew traveled on like a sleeper bus because their job was way more strenuous than ours. They would have to set up a show, we do the show, and then they would pack the entire show up and move to the next city right after that. So they, they never really stayed in hotels. Like they slept on their bus and they kept moving. But the orchestra and the um, cast, we had our own bus and we would do the show and we would go to a hotel and then travel the next day. Wow. Yeah, because the, the tech, they have to set up for the next city. How does the set and get from place to place? Is it on the bus? It's on, we had three trucks that transported our set and costumes and everything. Yeah. So they so, literally just keep going. Yeah. Wow. They, would, they just kept moving. So they would do a show literally Set the show up, do the show, pack it all up, go to the next place, and do the same thing all over again. Wow, you never think about stuff like that. Um, it's a lot. It's really a lot. And I don't think, you're right, like, I don't think people really understand the work that goes in. If you actually go to the Broadway Color Purple Instagram, they have a video of, like, what it looks like when they set up. It's like a time lapse. It's actually really cool of how they set the theater up um, and how they set the, the set on stage. Um, it takes like four, five, six hours, but in that like two wow. minutes, you see like the whole setup, and it's really, really cool. I love stuff like that. Or what does it take mentally to perform on Broadway every night? Not just mentally, but also physically, because you have to be a hundred percent every night. Right. I would... even even spiritually. Go ahead and pack that on there. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because it's to me it's all connected. Like being on a, a Broadway stage or on a like a Broadway tour or anything like that, you're at like the highest level of this career, this profession. And so there's a lot expected of you. And you have to know who you are and what you will and won't do, like what you'll compromise for, what you won't compromise for, things like that. Um, because there's a lot required of you. 
And um, you really have to take time to just mentally prepare yourself. I know for me, every night I would make sure that before we did the show, I took some time, I prayed, and, you know, I, I thanked the Lord and had gratitude, like, thank you for this opportunity. I don't take it for granted. And made sure that I just had quiet time with myself. And then every night after the show, I would go home well, to the hotel and I would take a moment, like take like 30 minutes and just sit in the quiet and just digress from the show because it does take a lot out of you. It's very important that if you are a believer in this type of environment and in this type of career that you are grounded in your faith. And it is very important that you have some sort of connection because you see a lot, you hear a lot, you, you come across a lot of different um, conflicting faiths and conflicting beliefs. And it, it's very easy to fall into like <laughs> deception, very easy to what's true and what's not. But you just have to stay like really grounded and really, um, really connected to what you know is true and what you believe. I know for me, like this journey spiritually has just heightened my faith so much. Um, with just even beginning with the audition process up until like the end of the, the show, like God really led me through some things. And I had to go through like a whole journey of finding out who Shelby is and like what my purpose is being in this world of the performing arts. So mentally and spiritually, like you, you need to be grounded on something, whether it, it be Christianity, whether it be, you know, whatever, but you need to find something to hold on to. Um, because it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult at times. You're going to want to cuss some people out. And I'm not going to say that I have not done that. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, there are going to be times where you're going to be sick and tired. But you have to be grounded to something so you don't mess up your witness. Which is um, definitely, like, the most important thing out of all of this. It's, like, reaching people and being... Um, I feel like God put me in this specific career because these are people that the church may never reach. Like yeah. the performing arts is has a lot going on as far as spirituality and and some of these people have never even heard of who God is. Some of them don't even believe in a God or anything. Um, so it's just you're in a very, very, very interesting space. So just being mentally grounded, spiritually grounded is probably the, the best thing you can do to prepare. I think what's most interesting about that is I just thought about this, how deeply rooted the color purple is in faith. Huh? <laughs> like, I mean, I Listen. just thought about that. So, I mean, if you have the opportunity to perform on a show where you get to sing your faith and speak your faith at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. in the middle of traumatic experiences. Absolutely. It's, wow. It's I, such a message of, um, and we talked about this a lot in, like, rehearsals. The story is about faith. It's about love. It's about forgiveness. Those are the three things that I take away from it. And I feel like that's the basis of, like, who Christ is to me. He's love. Mm. He's, he's an example of faith. And he is an example of forgiveness. He, he is forgiveness. And so, like, being able to sing that to people and emote that to people every single night is such a joy, especially for... I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Especially for people like me who have a story, who have been through trauma. And just listening to some of the music and some of the words, Alice Walker did an amazing job of just writing the book. And um, the lyricist did an amazing job of writing the, the, the lyrics and the score. But some, there, there were definitely times where like people came to the show and they've left messages and they've emailed and they've sent mail to like the cast and the, the crew about how they were thinking about taking their life or they've been in abusive relationships, but they came and saw the show and they now had the power or the strength to like confront those people that hurt them or to not kill themselves. You know what I'm saying? It, it, the show has such an amazing power and beauty. It, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And it just adds a plus that, you know, I believe in good teaching you're doing. Right. I'm so weak. I'm, I'm doing so mad. Yeah. I'm gonna be mad. You walk a heavy time. No, it's good. definitely intense. It's it's intense. Hey guys, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of Wildfire. Um, once again, I'm Shelby Sykes, and if you want to follow me or connect with me, my Instagram is at symbol Shelby A. Sykes, all one word. 
Um, and if you want to follow me on YouTube, it is Shelby Elise, A-L-Y-S-S-E. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hello everyone, JD Lat here. I hope that you Well really it. it's more like a goodbye everyone, because this is the salutation. Well, goodbye. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Wildfire with our fire feature Shelby Sykes. We ended up talking for over two and a half hours and we couldn't possibly include every single wise that she's so full of love and light. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she was great to speak with, to hang with. Really cool girl. I enjoyed her. I, you know what I really loved about this? I, I, even though we didn't expect to spend this much time talking about um, the color purple in specific, because that's just one small part of who she is. But I love what she said about Sophia. How basically she compared Sophia, the character, to the African-American experience in college they used to say the diaspora <laughs> the diaspora <laughs> <laughs> I had one very extra uh, professor he used to say the diaspora <laughs> and she was my favorite but anywho um, I love how she kind of describes she unveiled Sophia a little bit and allowed me to kind of see inside you know through the layers of who she was and to think that she was a person who had a lot of traumatic experiences in her life came through a through a very traumatic experience married someone who didn't really know how to love her and was extremely abusive to her and then she had to leave that and had newfound freedom only to be oppressed by society and politics of the day to be imprisoned or incarcerated rather and then have to rebuild her life rebuild her family and learn how to be a productive member of society and learn how to how to deal with all of that trauma it i just thought that was amazing how she kind of made that correlation between sophia and the black experience then it makes me wonder like did i really get the color purple like what was alice walker really trying to say to us maybe i need to go back and read it again maybe i need to like read the actual book i don't think i've ever read the actual book i think i've just seen the movie and i've seen the show but if one character like i wonder if each character represents the black experience in a different way like a different version of the black experience even up until that point because i mean that was written when the 80s, but it's, early it's 80s, still 70s. amazing how accurate it is so accurate but and it was set in the early 1900s mid to mid early mid 1900s and it still holds true wow we got a lot of work to do so guys you have to come back next week you got to come back next week to hear Next week is going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun. I mean, we fun. said today was going to be fun. But today was fun, you know, but it, it got a little heavy at the end. But next week is, is Love and Light. We're just going gonna to call the episode Love and Light. Are we? No, we're not. <laughs> what we're going to do? Just come back next week. Next week, same place, same time on your favorite. Maybe not the same time. Maybe, maybe not even the same day. I don't know. But <laughs> next week on your favorite podcast, Wildfire.